Hi, this is Sedge Thompson. Welcome to this special audio highlights podcast from West Coast Live. For more information about our shows and other guests and podcasts, wcl.org. My uh, my next guest I've I've known for many years because she's been a friend and associate of uh, of of the great and the near great of the literary world. She's also produced and put together a, a rock and roll band called the Rock Bottom Remainders with Dave Barry and Stephen King, Amy Tan, and others, and she herself has performed with that band here on West Coast Live. She's here in her capacity with her band uh, Trainwreck and as author of her novel, And My Shoes Keep Walking Back to You. Please welcome Kathy Kamen Goldberg. <laughs> All right, so you have to choose. I'm either going to be a country western star or a best-selling recognized writer. Which would you choose? Well, I think I wrote this book because I never got to be a country western star. It's all wish fulfillment fantasy, you know? The young backup singer gets her one chance at stardom and finds it's more complicated than she ever imagined. So if that story can make a bestseller, I'm all for being a best-selling author. (laughs) (laughs) Nicely danced through. Very nicely danced through. When was the first time you uh, picked up a guitar? When I was 14. And actually, I'm really no better now than I was then. But now you've got a backup band. Yeah. Which band do you think is better, Trainwreck or the Rock Bottom Remainders? (laughs) Trainwreck, shouts the audience. I was going to say that uh, it sounds like you guys together, you, you guys play together more frequently. We do play together more frequently. Tighter backup band. A little bit. I think. And we also have had the practice over the last 10 years of running a jam, which means that we set up in a nightclub and anybody who wants to can come in and play with us. So you learn to listen and you learn to anticipate doing that. Everybody else in the band does. I'm still playing as though I were 14, but they're a great band. But your voice has changed since you were 14. Let's hope so. (laughs) I mean, it's got experience, it's got road weariness, it's got uh, the, the love of life in it, the passion. I went on the road for three weeks with the Rock Bottom Remainders in uh, Aretha Franklin's tour bus, and we got treated like rock stars for being a really terrible band. It was so much fun. <laughs> That's the extent of my road-weary experience, yes. So you had groupies? Well, we would have, except it took them so long to get backstage in their walkers <laughs> that we were already gone. Librarians, you know, they, they know how to party. <laughs> there's, a, uh, there's a scene in this book where you're, you're testing on a new band member and you're trying to throw kind of every rhythm that you can um, to try and, and false foot them and uh, see how they can keep up. I mean, what kind of road tests would you do on this Rock Bottom Remainders tour to make sure that an author could fit in? Well, the extent of my rigorous audition process was, hey, Dave, want to be in a band? (laughs) Sure. (laughs) I got so lucky. I didn't audition anybody, and they all showed up with instruments, and most of them could actually play a little bit, and and it worked out. And the good thing is nobody comes really to hear music. They come to see Stephen King strap on a guitar or hear Dave Barry make jokes, so it works out. So when you when you uh, put together this uh, a record of this group that you did, uh, you you run this record company called Don't Quit Your Day Job Records, uh, and it and it occurs to me that you have about three or four careers for which you should, by all rights, actually have a day job to keep going. 
Um, but I actually don't have a day job right now. Um, <laughs> it's this full-time writer thing is um, you have to figure out a way to actually make a living doing that, which uh, nobody told me. But um, the <laughs> Don't Quit Your Day Job records are featured as our first recording artist, the amazing Jessica Mitford. Do you remember her? Singing, oh, sure. Singing Maxwell Silver Hammer with Herb Kane on Cowbell. <laughs> And we went on from there. And actually, I did use the members of Trainwreck and some other fine musicians as backup for that Stranger Than Fiction CD because we're fun to watch. The remainders are really fun to watch, but we're not that much fun to listen to. <laughs> Does that show up in CD sales? That we're not that much fun to listen to? Yeah, <laughs> unfortunately. <laughs> but I can see Herb Cain doing that dot, dot, dot of Maxwell's Silver Hammer on a cowbell. Dot, bang, bang, bang. It's cute. Yeah. Well, he was, he was good on the cowbell. Now, and they're both gone. So, I mean, this really is a historic recording. I, does the British Library have it in their archive of recorded sound, you know, along with uh, you know, the, the Owsley and the rest of the Mitford clan? Oh, they should, shouldn't they? I'll have to check on that. When you were writing the book, uh, was it, uh, there's, there's a lot of kind of backstage high-tech talk, uh, you know, it's, it's, a, it's an insider's book. You clearly know your, your stuff. Was there anything that you needed to learn to write the book? I needed help with raunchy backstage guy banter because I'm never, I'm never in the room when that stuff happens. They wait till the girls leave. So I actually called on my friend Sam Barry to help me out. He did a very good job <laughs> helping me write some dialogue. And uh, that was probably the hardest part, was getting into that guy-musician um, brain, yeah. right? And uh, you, you had the, the raunchy girl backstage talk down. But the raunchy guy backstage talk, I never get to hear in real life, so... Because um, they're such gentlemen. <laughs> and, and so what did you make of what you heard? Was there a sort of a thread that ran through it? There were words I had never heard. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> no, it was... Um, the thing about writing fiction that's really wonderful is you get to make stuff up. You, you don't have to say, oh, let's see, I was here and this is how it happened and it has to be exactly the way it happened. You can make things turn out any way you want to. So, for example, you can take a little backup singer singing Heartaches for a Guy, the song we just did, and give her a surprise hit single in your novel, which would never happen in real life, right? <laughs> but you get to do that in fiction, and that's what's so much fun about it. You really get to play God a little bit. You have these little slave people who will do whatever you tell them to. Well, and you let characters have children and make love in all kinds of wonderful places. Yeah. And then get caught up in the entanglements. And, and um, even bring down the evil empire of the sleazy record producers. How often does that happen in real life, huh? It doesn't happen, uh, it doesn't happen often. I'm, I'm surprised that this book hasn't been sort of held up as a crying call. You know, every musician isn't carrying this around saying, read this account of what can be done. That would be really fine with me. <laughs> you also wrote a lot of the songs that are in the, uh, in the book. You wrote a lot of songs. You write a lot of songs in real life. Uh, is, what is the essence of a, of a good song for you? Oh, that's a tough question. I think a good song, first of all, you have to have your hook. You have to have your little part that everybody's going to sing along with, and you have to get to that pretty quick in the song. 
Um, and then I think true emotion, true feeling, I'm going to get corny here, but I think if a song is honest and if it speaks to the experience of a lot of people and the poetry is not really awful and the, <laughs> the melody is pretty good and you get some good singers and good players, you got a song. So are they, are they always about hope and redemption as well? I don't think all songs are about hope and redemption, but I'd like to think mine are. Your, uh, your son is a musician? My son is a comedy singer-songwriter, and his big hit on the Dr. Demento show was Kill the Backstreet Boys a couple <laughs> of years ago. <laughs> his name is Tony Goldmark, and his newer, newest release is Britney Zombie. He has a little thing going with... I, I, so, the, so he's moved beyond uh, that, that song, uh, songs uh, to annoy your parents. Yeah. He's, really annoy your parents. Yeah, uh, You Bug Me, Songs Guaranteed to Annoy Your Parents. Yeah, he's got another CD out called Masterpiece Weirder, and he's working on a third. He's doing great. So he's, a, he's a, become a satirist, a parodist. He is. He actually like occasionally hangs out with Weird Al and stuff. He um, it lives in Chicago, and he goes to college there, and does a lot of recording and finds a little bit of time to go to classes. And uh, have, you, have you met Dr. Demento? I have. You know what? Dr. Demento played w in the last Rock Bottom Remainders show. He was the leader of the pack. Amy Tan sings leader of the pack. And her husband used to come out and like die on stage in the motorcycle crest. But then he broke his collarbone. taking While singing? While singing. While being the lead. So we got Dr. Demento not knowing that he was going to have to fall over and die on stage to fill in. <laughs> he was very graceful about it, very sweet. Is, uh, where does Dr. Demento live? He lives in L.A., in Culver City, I think. Young man, old man? Um, he's in his 60s, I believe. He's been doing this show for a long time. He's just one of those people who keeps the dream alive. He, he knows, <laughs> knows all the, every song in the world. In fact, I'm researching a new book about the blues, and he's been very helpful. I email him, and he knows the answer like immediately, whatever the question is. So, so uh, will the new book be a novel or a his history? It's another novel about an 82-year-old blues guitar player who ends up in a ritzy uh, retirement facility in Marin County. <laughs> <laughs> and the Buck Foundation comes to release all of his CDs. What's... Um, uh, do you have a come up with a name for this character? His, he, actually, he's got a, a teeny tiny part in, in this book, but his name is Fast Freddy Blaster. That will be a, I, I like to see the continuation of the, so it's not quite a sequel. No, it isn't a sequel. It's more like a spin-off, I guess you'd say. <laughs> the, um, uh, the, the attraction that goes on backstage, I mean, a lot of people wonder, I think, about, you know, musician tours and that, and that, uh, you know, there's got to be something going on between people who, who travel together, you know, day in and day out, that there's some sort of thing going on. I mean, sometimes you, you point out why that's actually not the case, and sometimes you show how that is the case. Well, you know, you see people at their crankiest. You see people with no sleep. You see people with weird hair from falling asleep on the bus and stuff, and they're not all that attractive. But every once in a while, the sparks can fly just for no reason, and you find yourself... Um, Sometimes in, in awkward situations, if you've let things go a little too far the night before and then suddenly it's the next morning and everybody's piling on the bus again looking awful and you go, oh my God. But not that that's ever happened to me, but... <laughs> You're the artist, the observer. Yes. 
We have a, another set with uh, Trainwreck. Um, how did you uh, come to form the band? Trainwreck, uh, well, actually David Phillips, the pedal steel guitar player, and I started these all-star jams uh, a little over 10 years ago, and we'd play once a month and invite musicians to come on down and jam with us. And over the years, Peter Tucker became our drummer and Hank Manninger, our bass player, and Todd Swenson is our guitar player. And Sam Barry is the newest member of Trainwreck and also the newest member of the Remainders. And he plays piano and harmonica. And I just feel so lucky because, like I said, I really never got better. But <laughs> I think I have the best band in the world. They're wonderful. Are there, uh, are there uh, singer-songwriters out there today who you think are in analogous positions to you? They still sound like the way they did when they were 14, but they just got a great band behind them. The Rolling Stones, maybe. <laughs> the book is called And My Shoes Keep Walking Back to You, and it's a great uh, romp through the country western uh, world, music world, and uh, it's great fun. And she has got on the back of it a, uh, a list of book blurbs to die for. I mean, these are all the people that you've known through guiding authors around in your earlier life. They're not all the people I've known. Uh, no, um, they're. Uh, I, I, I mean, you've got Roddy Doyle, Rita Mae Brown, P.J. O'Rourke, Dave Marsh, Roy Blount Jr. This is more fun than a barrel of musicians. I've brought most of these people here to your show, actually, haven't yeah, I? Yeah. But um, I, it's such a thrill to hold the book in your hands, and it's such a thrill to see the endorsements when you're lucky enough to get them. And Anyway. Scott Turo says, you wonder if Tom Lehrer has moved to Nashville? I mean, that's Isn't that nice? That's very nice. That's very nice. I read a great uh, blurb the other day. It was an ad for uh, Carl Reiner's memoirs. Mel Brooks says, surprisingly good. <laughs> <laughs> the book's published by Chronicle Books. And now, uh, let's bring her back on Trainwreck here with Kathy Kamen-Goldmark on West Coast. This is Edge Thompson. Thanks for listening to this podcast. Try out others from West Coast Live right here, and we look forward to having you in one of our audiences one day. For more information, wcl.org.